CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, they got here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday, starting at 9, 8 central, on CBS, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, March 25th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, a lot to get into. Let's start with Ohio State's defensive line. Brian Day called it uh, to be the strength of the defense. That's not a surprise to anybody. Um, we got a chance to meet with the defensive lineman yesterday. What an impressive group. I mean, it's an interesting fusion of excellent young talent, a lot of five-star talent with Tui Moloau and Jack Sawyer. Um, Tyleek Williams wasn't a five-star, but, man, he, he might be if they re-ranked him. Um, and then, a, a, you know, a lot of veterans that maybe, you know, fans have been a little disappointed with or, you know, some guys that have played well, like Jerron Cage and Teron Vincent toward the end of last year. Zach Harrison has, at times has been a disappointment, but – I love having all those veterans around. Just your overall thoughts on this D-line, Jay Book. I think this defensive line has the potential to be one of the best in college football. I know uh, Jack Sawyer, when talking to the media, he came out and said basically last year his words were uh, they got complacent and they were pretty much uh, thinking that just because they were an elite defensive line in the past that it was going to pretty much automatically come to them this past year. And to me, we all love Larry Johnson. I put it on Twitter, but that, that falls right on him. He has to really make sure that those guys aren't living on the path of what Chase Young and the Bolsa brothers did each, each season is a new season. And if you don't bring your a game week in and week out, you will be exposed. But when it comes to the talent, I think you hit it on the head when it come, when it comes to the mix of guys, you have your veteran guys what will they what will they do with their last crack at the bat mixed with some potential superstar younger guys? And I thought it was really interesting that Ryan Day said Tyleek Williams is an absolute freak when it comes to how he's measuring out as far as agility and short cone and some of the things that they do as far as the testing. And he's right now testing off the charge. He's one of those big body SEC type of defensive tackles that it's hard to pull up north. And with his size and athleticism, to me, he needs to be your day one starter in the middle. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we're all expecting breakout years from Tui Moloal, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams. They all played as true freshmen. I mean, it's really impressive that especially JT got here like in end of July, basically just had August and still was able to get on the field. Ryan Day said he's never seen that. Since now it wasn't that long ago where guys didn't even report till you know August 1st, freshmen didn't report till camp began. But since that's gone to the wayside, Ryan Day says, Can't remember a guy coming in at the end of July and actually seeing the field as a true freshman. So, what are your expectations? Are we putting too much on them, or is it is it reasonable to expect that these guys are going to have huge jumps? Tui Moloal, Sawyer, and Williams as sophomores. I definitely think you're going to see a huge jump, especially from JT. As you mentioned, he got into the program late, jumped right in. I think as you start to see the season wear along, he started to get those freshman legs because he hasn't been inducted into the Mickey Marathi strength and conditioning program, as well as uh, having the guidance of a nutritionist. And with him having a full winter workout, he's going to be able to stay there, get bigger, get stronger. I expect a huge jump 
for him, it was never about his talent. His talent was always through the roof. He just needs to be able to get stronger and get his body prepared to handle the grind of the Big Ten season. And it's the same thing with Jack Sawyer, five, another five-star guy, extremely talented. He just needed to get stronger, needs to get bigger. And one of the things that really stood out to me, I remember during the season, a lot of people were asking Larry Johnson about Sawyer getting in there, getting more reps, because we weren't getting very much from Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith throughout the season. And one of the things that Larry Johnson mentioned when it comes to Sawyer is one playing with a sense of urgency and attention to detail. That was one of the big things for them is he needs to learn how to play the position. I think with the the defense that they're bringing in right now under Jim Knowles, it's still going to be a learning curve for those guys, but I feel much better about where they're going to be physically after having spent that time with coach Mick and, Tyleek Williams, he's, to me, when I look at him, even though those other two guys had the potential to be sack masters, I look at Tyleek Williams and see a first-round NFL draft pick type of guy. That's how high I am with him because I think that if he can stay healthy, stay out the doghouse, and get those reps in there and just flat-out dominate. I mean, I haven't seen a guy in the middle, Dave, as an 18-year-old true freshman flashed the way he flashed to where he was completely dominant at times. I mean, he was just blowing plays up as an 18-year-old. Just And the thing is, he doesn't really know football. He's just learning. And he was just going out there and just performing at a high level just off raw natural talent. And all three of their the three sophomores we're talking about, Tui Molo, Sawyer, and Tyleek Williams are all in the process of changing their bodies in different ways. Like Tui Molo Al's dropped a little bit of weight. You know, he doesn't want to move inside. Everybody says, oh, he's he's going to be a D tackle eventually. He wants to stay on the edge. And he, he knew he needed to drop a little bit of weight and, and just become a little leaner. And he's done that. He's dropped, he didn't need to lose a lot. Um, he's dropped about five pounds. He's stronger. He looks great out there. Um, and then Jack Sawyer, he came in. I didn't realize he was only 230 pounds last spring. He's up to 260 now. He's added 30 pounds, and he just looks – I mean, not, not the 30 pounds that some of us add in college. These are, these are good. This is good weight, man. I mean, he just – he looks like a brick house out there. And, you know, he says he wants to get maybe up to 265, 270. So, Jack Sawyer's adding a lot of weight. And then Tyleek Williams, of course, has dropped a lot of weight. He came in at 360, and he's down to about 320 now. He said 317, 320 right around there. And Ryan Day, for those that missed it, said, I know you didn't miss this, Jay Book, said Tyleek Williams has one of the fastest 10-yard sprints on the entire team. Not of the big guys. That includes the wide receivers, DBs, everybody, running backs. On the entire team, Tyleek Williams, one of the fastest 10-yard sprints. So uh, very bullish on those guys. We do have a question I want to get to about the scholarship count because I do find this interesting. This is from David, wants to know, where does Ohio State stand with the scholarship limit? And do you think we will not make it? Um, no, they'll make it. Um, who do who do we think will not make it? Probably not going to get into specific names. I feel like that's unfair to guys. Um, I think you can look at the roster and see that there are four kickers on the roster, and two of them are scholarship kickers. Um, Noah Ruggles ain't going anywhere, so you can deduct that. Um, they're at 85 right now after the unfortunate Harry Miller news. Um, and, and you said it best last week. That was – it was unfortunate, but Harry Miller's going to save a lot of lives by coming out and doing what he did. And, and you said it well, Jay, Jay Book, on last week's show. You just want to give the guy a, a hug. Um, but with t- the Harry Miller news, that gets him down to 85. Um, it's going to naturally take care of itself. I mean, guys are – there's going to be a couple guys we're not even thinking of that are probably will transfer. Some guys we are probably thinking of 
that will transfer. Yeah. Um, just your thoughts on the scholarship count. They'll they'll get there. They always find a way to get there. They have no choice but to get there. Um, I'm sure there's going to be tough conversations that needs to be had. And we, you and I touched on this. Every right now, we're living in a world in a society where everyone wants to jump ship, enter the transfer portal, and find a better opportunity. It works for some, but there there are hundreds of kids who have entered a portal and haven't come out. They can't find a home. There's just not enough spots right now. And there was some early success. You saw Jamison go uh, to Alabama, and he did well. There's some other guys who didn't potentially land at really big spots, and it took them a while to find a home. So I think there's going to be some guys that are gun-shy about entering the transfer portal. You have to ask yourself, do I want to stay part of Ohio State's football program, get a heck of an education, and then on top of that, uh, you know, maybe get my master's if I was able to enroll early or transfer to Akron or transfer to Toledo and, and get an opportunity to play right away there. So those are type of the conversations that you have to have. We're, we're not privy to that. That's going to be something that happens between the coaches, their position coach, the player's family, and those individual players. I want to ask you about C.J. Stroud switching gears. Um, man, his stock continues to rise. I didn't think it could get much higher after the way he finished the season. But every scout, I shouldn't say every scout, but like a lot of people at Pro Day, we'll put it that way, when asked about what stood out to them, NFL scouts, GMs, whatever, um, analysts that were there, uh, they loved what they saw out of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and some of the guys that are going to be in the draft. But C.J. Stroud was the first name out of their mouth. They were like, wow, this yeah. is impressive. And they knew he was impressive by watching him on TV, but seeing him up close and personal, he really put on a show for these NFL scouts, man. He might be the number one pick in the draft in 2023. No doubt about it. I knew this was going to happen. Once they announced that CJ Stroud was going to throw there, I knew that NFL scouts that were going to be in attendance there, they were going to be side-eyed in him. Like, look at this kid spin that football. I mean, you had a hundred plus NFL scouts there. He absolutely put on the show. You look at that Rose Bowl, and coming off that Rose Bowl, leaving such a great taste in everyone's mouth about his performance and his ball placement. And he, he's going to be a Heisman finalist again as long as he can stay healthy. The kid is an absolute uh, force to be reckoned with this coming season. And I really like his attitude coming out of, out of the season, especially the way he got disrespected by Desmond Howard on the Heisman stage where he basically said, I'm going to use that as fuel and put a chip on my shoulder about where he finished in the Heisman. And that's what you want out of your quarterback, a guy that's going to be super competitive. He has all the talent in the world. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a top five pick, if not the first pick. I will absolutely take him over Bryce Young right now. I mean, when you when it comes to arm strength and ball placement, he him and Bryce Young are right there, but you look at the size and – what Ohio State asked out of their quarterbacks, I would absolutely take him over Bryce Young right now. And the, the way things are trending, Dave, it's going to be a quarterback and wide receiver you type of thing. I We're going to look back and say, is the wide receiver position the new Cadillac position? You remember Urban Meyer used to say the running back position was the Cadillac position at Ohio State. Because of the elite talent that we're seeing at the quarterback position, I seem to think that wide receiver will now be, I will call it the Rolls Royce position because you look at the NFL today, you got Devontae Adams getting 28 million. You have Tyreek, uh, you have uh, the kid from 
from the Chiefs getting 30 million. Tyreek you even Hill. look at Christian, yeah, Tyreek Hill. You even look at Christian Kirk, uh, that's going for 18 million a year, 20 million signing bonus. I had um Jackson Smith and Jigba's uh brother Cannon, he <laughs> direct messaged me laughing about it on Twitter. He said, Hey, it's, it's good timing for us because yep. they're 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 moving up the wide receiver market and because I had tweeted out that I would I would pay uh, Jackson Smith and Jig for first round top ten money today before I would pay uh, Christian Kirk that type of money. But if you look at what Ohio State is doing at the wide the wide receiver position under Brian Hartline, Dave, it's going to be a steady flow of five star guys coming in here because if you're pumping out first round talent like that and guys are getting paid generational type of wealth. It's only going to be a, ma- a a much bigger recruiting tool for Ryan Day and Brian Hartline to say, not only are we putting first-round quarterbacks in the draft in Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud, but we are absolutely stocking the NFL draft with wide receivers. You mentioned the NFL. This NFL offseason is insane. I mean, just when we think it can't get crazier, Man. it does. I, I am here for it. I love it. I put something on Twitter right before the show. I'm like, I'm being serious. Like, I can't even think of what the second most wildest offseason in NFL history was. There's a huge gap. I can't even think of one. I'm not talking about years where there were labor disputes and stuff like that. Not that even those would have been anywhere near as interesting as what's going on right now. This is it's the best reality show on TV right now. It's so much fun. It is so much fun. I, I cannot wait until the NFL season starts. I mean, the Browns itself, between the Browns fans on Twitter fighting with each other, fighting with Mary Kay Cabot, fighting with their local radio station, fighting with the players. Just the Browns and their fans could be a, a reality show itself. And do you throw in all of the trades, the Bengals, what would they do, what would they do coming back? Um, the AFC stat, will Lamar Jackson be able to bounce back? What happens to Baker? Will the Raiders uh, be a contender? Will the Chiefs take a step back? Don't ever count out Bill Belichick and the Patriots because they're always going to be right there in the mix. Can Tua actually deliver with all of those weapons? You have so many storylines in the NFL. It's going to be must-see TV. I cannot wait until the NFL season starts because I'm also going to be following all the Ohio State guys. Will, will Justin Fields take a next step? I'm, I'm suspicious of the Bears. I'm worried about Justin Fields. I know a lot of people are saying next year they're going to make a big splash when it comes to their salary cap, having a lot of money, uh, and they get some of their picks back. But if you look at what a lot of these other teams are doing, they are surrounding their quarterbacks, giving them the offensive line, giving them the weapons to to really flourish. And you're not really seeing that from the, the Chicago Bears. And you know how the national media goes and the fans, Dave, who hate Ohio State. If Justin Fields doesn't light it up, they're going to blame him and blame the process that Ohio State quarterbacks, they don't thrive in the NFL. It's a system-driven type of operation that Ryan Day has. So they're going to put up big stats at Ohio State, but it doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. That's the narrative that's out there with Ohio State. So I have an invested interest to see Justin Fields do extremely well at this level. And I'm just concerned that the Chicago Bears aren't surrounding him with the talent in, in, in order for him to proceed. A couple of quick questions to get to uh, to finish the show here on a Friday. Kath wants to know any news on how Caden Curry is performing this spring. You know, I think Caden Curry is going to be a really good player for the Buckeyes down the line. I think this will be a developmental year for him, Kath. I think that uh, 
especially with this defensive line being so deep and so talented with uh, the sophomore class that we talked about and then all the veterans they have. It's going to be really tough for a true freshman to see the field this year. I think he needs to add some weight. I think I think this might be a redshirt year for him. Maybe he'll be a guy that sees the field four games or less in red shirts. Jay Buck, any thoughts on Caden Curry? I agree. He's a he's a guy that you definitely can see. He's, he's going to be a player here. But as you mentioned, the defensive line is so deep that you're blessed to have an opportunity to pretty much give this kid a redshirt year. Let him develop. Let him get stronger. And then once those older guys uh, exit the program, that's going to be time for him to really step up. Another question I'm going to get to here. Let's see. Glenn wants to know, did Master Teague do enough to be a day three pick? Perhaps, and by day three, probably round six or round seven, but you'll see teams take a chance on running backs at that point. I know the Bengals many times do that. Um, they won't do it this year, but um, I think there's an outside chance Master Teague, because he tested so well, Jay Book, um, even with his injury history, I think there's a chance he could be like a sixth or seventh round pick. I, I think Master Teague really helped himself. I was – uh, driving around, run, uh, running some errands yesterday, and I was listening to the NFL Network on their XM show, and they had Gil Brandt, a legendary NFL guy who's been there for 30, 40 years, and Gil Brandt mentioned Master T specifically, and he told the story that it's very important for NFL teams to get out to these pro days and see guys because Master T is a prime example of that because – he wasn't invited to the NFL Combine, and he started reading off all of Master T stats, 4440, 220-plus uh, pounds, 27 bench rep, uh, reps. He had a, a, a very good vertical and broad jump, and Gil said because of that, he's moved Master T up up his list into the top 200. So if you're, if you're to believe that, you're looking at a guy you know who's probably in the – uh, fifth, sixth round, and Gil was basically saying that Master T wasn't anyone who was really on his radar. Once Master T tested out extremely well, that's when he was like, okay, who is this guy? And it makes NFL scouts have to go back and look at his tape a little bit more. Another question to get to here. This is from Karzai. Wants to know, have you guys ever heard of a situation where a recruit was chosen over a similar player simply because they were willing to enroll early? I've never heard of that. Jay Book, have you? I've never heard of that. I mean, I, I can potentially see that being a, a point of conversation. I know Ohio State, they like having guys enrolled early. It gives them a jump start into the spring, but they don't necessarily force it on kids. So if a kid happened to have his academics in line, he's able to enroll early. Great. If not, no big deal. They'll get them in there, get them developed up, and get them on the field when they're ready. All right, two more, then we'll get you out of here, Jay Book. This is from Basil. He wants to know how many Buckeyes will be Heisman finalists this coming season. Yeah, they could, they could kind of like uh, steal uh, steal the bread from each other a little bit with CJ and Jackson and Travion. I mean, right. I, I obviously think CJ is going to be a finalist, and maybe maybe one other. What do you think? I have CJ and I have Jackson. I mean, if you look at the last five games that Jackson Smith and Jigba had at Ohio State, it's legendary type of stuff. The guy went for just shy of a thousand yards in five, in his final five games of the season. Uh, and if he keeps that type of pace up, which I don't think he's going to be able to pretty much go for 200 a pop every game. Like he was on that pretty much on that stretch. But if he can have 
monster type numbers going into the season. Because here's the thing, Dave, what do we always say about the hype? Going into the offseason, you need to have that name and that hype attached to your name. And if you can go into the season and you're already got that momentum behind you with the hype surrounding you and you put up those numbers, then it's going to help. So I see two guys. I just think that Travion Henderson is going to be a heck of a running back for Ohio State. I believe that we've now transitioned more to a pass first type of offense there. And I, I just think that the way Stroud's going to probably be throwing the ball at least 30, 40 times a game, uh, they're going to be able to uh, really get those numbers for Jackson Smith. And the thing that a lot of people have to remember, we had a horrible defense. How, how, many, how many more possessions would our offense would have had if the defense was able to get off the field? So that's going to help those numbers a whole lot more. And the thing that you have to look at, is I truly believe that Ohio State's going to be blowing a lot of people out. And if that's the case, you're not going to see Travion Henderson running the ball in the fourth quarter if Ohio State's up by 27, 28 points. That's going to be Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor time. Good segue. Final question here on the show. We apologize if we didn't get to one of your questions, but final question here on the show. Jay Book, you're such you're so you're so natural with your, uh, your segues here. Mentioning Evan Pryor for the first time on the show, and now we have a question from Michael. Wants to know, will we see Evan Pryor this year? Yeah, we will. I mean, he redshirted last year, and you know saw some action, but still got that redshirt. He's going to be the third string running back. So yeah, we're going to see him this year. Your thoughts on Evan Pryor? I love the way Evan Pryor's mentality is going into the season because you look at the kids today, Dave, and you see so many kids that are scared of competition. They run for competition. What you see from Evan Pryor is he embraced it. And the thing that you really like about him, he said, I know what I knew what I was getting into when I came to Ohio State. I knew I was going to, to compete. And I'm here because I want to compete at the highest level. And it came up because when he spoke to the media, they asked him about, hey, what, did you ever think about transferring or entering the transfer portal? And he said, no, that was just a bunch of speculation and rumors. And the one thing that really made me laugh is he said he stopped eating canes uh, so that he can get his body right. And he's put on he's put on the weight and healthy weight. And so he's really uh, devoted himself to the strength and conditioning program and the nutritionist at Ohio State. And he started cutting out a lot of the fast food. And, and that's the thing that you want from a kid. He's ready to come in there. He's ready to compete. He's going to be ready when his numbers call. But at the same time, his mind is at a great place to where I'm going to do everything possible to try to put the put the cards in my deck so that I can absolutely thrive when given the opportunity. And I love that out of Evan Pryor. Absolutely. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. Really appreciate it, Jay Book. Thanks for your insights. Thanks to all the listeners and viewers out there. Thanks for all the great questions. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. 
Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.